This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. everybody it's endurance day and i'm glenn the geek from ocala florida and i'm karen chatton from gardnerville nevada and you are listening to horses in the morning on the horse radio network for july 11th episode 1736 good morning horse world when your start time's on saturday and your finish time's on sunday And it doesn't get much better than best conditioned. And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. But don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off a well, good morning, everybody. Just starting the show has been a challenge, actually. So <laughs> <laughs> we're hoping that we can keep it going here. Of course, this is Endurance Day. Endurance Day happens the second Tuesday of every month. And Karen joins us for like the last 20 years, uh, the second <laughs> Tuesday of the month. But you know what? I know somebody you have joined for the last 30 years. Oh, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. Pour a cheerful toast and fill it, happy anniversary. But be careful you don't spill it, happy anniversary. Oh, happy. 30 years with the same guy. I know. Isn't that crazy? I can't believe it. It's like, where did all that time go? How did 30 years go by since I got married? Can I speak on behalf of the horse husbands everywhere? 30 years with the same horsewoman. Uh, Surviving (laughs) two years with a horsewoman's hard enough, but 30. I know. (laughs) An endurance rider, no less. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What a ride. (laughs) So, So you doing anything special today? Uh, yeah, we're going out to dinner. Dave took the day off, so we're probably going to go up to Lake Tahoe with our dogs and hang out and take them swimming. And uh, we were doing the math because I said, aren't you glad I don't give you a dog every anniversary or every 10 years? Because for our 10th anniversary, I gave him our dog, Winnie, who lived to old age. And he says, but wait, let's do the math. So we added up all the dogs we've had and divided it <laughs> By 30 years, we've had a dog, like an average of, uh, added, an average of every three years. <laughs> now, do you have more than four? Because we determined that you're you're a uh, just, crazy dog lady if you get more than four. We are, just four. We okay. Just well, you're okay four. so far. You can't get the fifth, though. That makes you a crazy dog lady. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Sometimes I think I'm a crazy dog lady already with four. Although one of them is a senior dog, and so... Um, well, that just y- means you know, more she, work. She, <laughs> <laughs> well, not really. She just sort of is there, you know. Oh, she's, she just um, hangs out. Y- y- yeah, she's not real active anymore, but, you know, still has a good time. And, yeah, she's a great dog. They're all good dogs. So, uh, so yeah. 
Well, uh, congratulations. You were born or you were Thanks. born. You were married in 1987. We were married in 1988. So we were only one year behind you. And we were married on wow. the 16th. So it's in July as okay. well. Well, we picked 7 Eleven specifically because Dave has to drive past a 7 Eleven every day. <laughs> <laughs> to get to work. <laughs> so we're hoping that'll be a subtle reminder <laughs> of what our anniversary date is. We have forgotten. I don't know if you guys ever have, but we have to both of us have totally forgotten our anniversary at times. So, <laughs> I, by the way, I, I just looked, and this is the most popular song from 1987. All the old paintings on the tomb, they do the sand dance, don't you know? Did they play that at your wedding, Walk Like an Egyptian by the Bengals? Did they play it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to have to play that, though. I'm going to have to download that put it on my phone. <laughs> I was thinking back, you know, 30 years ago, what was gas? About a dollar? And uh... I looked, yes, I looked 90 cents a gallon was wow. the average price of gas when we were married that year. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Don't you wish you were paying that to go to your uh, your horse shows about 12 hours away right now? Right. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> well, yes. congratulations. And, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it's going to be a fun day, I think. So, Jennifer, what do we got coming up? Coming up on today's Endurance episode, Karen has a handy list of first aid must-have supplies. And then Sarah Schick is going to bring us an update on her bid to make the WEG Endurance team. Ricky Stone stops by, and he's got the latest on the green bean program with plenty of gardening references. And Paul Cito gives us a report on the Tom Quilty ride, which was held in Australia this past weekend. So stay, stay tuned for the fray, folks. Yeah, you got a whole, whole lot scheduled here, don't you, today, Karen? We do. Well, let's uh, let's we talk a little bit about a ride you just went on, and, and that was the Wild West ride. The Wild West Ride, yes, a really nice ride in the pine trees, a lot of single track trail. They added some new trail this year. What state? Which, Where were you at? It, in California okay. and uh, kind of in Tevis country a little bit, um, just on the other side of I-80. It's only about less than 100 miles from me, which is nice. That makes it kind of a local ride. Um, really, the campground is a little squished. You got to park your rig in between pine trees and stuff. But uh, once you're in there, it's it's a really beautiful campground and a really nice ride. Um, and I uh, had my 10-year-old junior ride Bo with me on Chief, and we both did the 55-mile day. It was a hot day, but she did really, really great, um, you know, for being only 10 years old on a tough ride in the heat. And uh, uh, hey, we Karen, both had a ton of fun. Move uh, a little bit away from your microphone. We're getting some feedback from your phone. Okay. Is that better? That's better. There you go. Sorry okay. about that. It, and then last week we went on a training ride together and we spooked a mountain biker. <laughs> Isn't it supposed to be the other way around? <laughs> yeah. Well, we had just started out. We'd only gone like a mile and we're going up around a blind curve with a big tree on the side and around the corner comes this gal on a mountain bike and she slams on her brakes and slides right up into my horse's face and it scared her so much she jumped off her bike <laughs> <laughs> and then 
both of my horses are just standing there watching like, oh, what's, you know, what's the matter? You know, because I I know a lot of horses, that would have been it. They would have been been out there. (laughs) Yeah. So I felt kind of bad. But yeah, we spooked her a little bit so much. She just jumped right off her bike. And, um, you know, I'm just thankful my horses are so well grounded. They're so, you know. Exposed That's the first so many time that the like bike that. ever spooked at the horses. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, we really did surprise her more than she surprised us. <laughs> well, you know, horses, if they're walking, are, are kind of quiet, you know, and the bike bike makes noise. So uh, you can a lot of times hear them coming, but they don't necessarily know you're there. That's funny. She'll look up right. next time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. She didn't go over the cliff, did she? No, no, okay. she just stopped, moved over and just hopped right off. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's like I told her, it's okay. My horses are fine. <laughs> All those riders out there that have been spooked by bikers are now going, yes. <laughs> That's funny. I know, I know. And so on that same ride, I, I believe we ended up, we're just going down the wash and in the middle of the wash is a pole stick with an American flag on it. And this was, you know, the day after the 4th of July. So of course I had to pick up the flag and carry it home. And so, you know, chief thinks he's in a parade again, because <laughs> that's the last time he had to carry a flag. Right. So uh, like I got a to... full size American flag. No, it wasn't. Oh. It was only like about a foot, foot and a half, you, you know, like a s- smaller one, but still it was, uh, y- you know, just like something you'd see somebody maybe put on a vehicle or, or something like that. Um, but so I got to thinking of all the different things I've picked up off of the trail and carried home. And so I thought it might be fun to ask the listeners to tell us what kind oh, of things they've the found out on the trail. Question of the day, what kind of things have you found out in the trail? Jennifer will post that on our Horses in the Morning Facebook page, and we'll see what kind of answers we get. Jennifer, have you ever found anything exotic out on the trail? Um, let's see here. Crashed airplanes. That was pretty wild. Oh, that was uh-huh. recently, right? Oh, wow. Well, the, there's one out here on the trails here, and look at uh, an airplane crashed in the woods a long, long time ago, and they never they took never it took out. They never took it out, yeah. Wow. There's a there's a pond there's a crashed pontoon boat on one of the trails that I I and it's just random out in the middle of nowhere. It's not like it's near somebody's house. Just random crashed hmm. pontoon boat out there in the middle of nowhere. You didn't bring it home though. Yeah, that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. No. <laughs> All right, so what what else have you found, Karen? Um last summer I found a brand new shovel. <laughs> Just out in the middle of nowhere. One of the trail workers and, was out there and forgot their shovel. Well, it was like in the middle of, I mean, I don't know why someone was driving around out there with a brand new shovel, but it obviously fell out of their truck or their Jeep or something. And they didn't know it because there was nobody in in the vicinity. So, of course, I got off and I stuck it in a tree and then I got back on my horse and then I was able to get the shovel from, you know, from the tree branch and I carried it home with my horse jigging and bouncing the whole way. <laughs> and I, I almost wanted to hit him in the head with it if he had only known, but it was like, no, that wouldn't serve any purpose. It would just make him mad at me. And then I would be <laughs> mad at him. And so, yeah, I carried this brand new shovel home and I've been using it ever since in my garden. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, uh, so what else have you come across? 
Um, gosh, cow skulls, uh, large feeder buckets, which I've carried home. Um, <laughs> I've seen some writers come into vet checks carrying a full set of antlers. Oh, great. <laughs> that, that they found. Oh, yeah, out, out there in the Midwest. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, people will, you know, love to collect those things. And so, you know, we have found like an old rusty horseshoe. And I just picked those up just so that no other horse might accidentally step on it or, or something like that. Um, and then we kind of consider that good luck for the rest of the ride. Oh, cool. Uh, but, but but yeah, there's all sorts of strange things. Um, I'm sure other writers have found a lot of neat stuff. And of course, on the endurance trail, if you want to stop and get off often, you can pick up the sponges and the water bottles and <laughs> other things other writers have dropped ahead of you. <laughs> Usually they get that stuff when they're unmarking the trail. Oh, they, um, they have the collection crew shows up after. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I thought it would be fun to see what, what the listeners have found along the on their journeys along the way. All right, Jennifer, I'll post that, and you can you can find it at the Horses in the Morning Facebook page. Well, we um, we also have Tevis coming up. It's three weeks away. Have you made a decision about whether you're going or not? Um, well, I haven't entered. I'm probably not going to, which is fine. I've done it the last two years, and I'm kind of enjoying not having to be out there doing the heat training this year. Um, well, you've been a total of, what, seven times? I've, yes, I've finished it the last seven times I've started, five of those on bow, um, you know, so that's sort of sort of cool. This year's going to be completely different because they had to move the start over to Soda Springs out instead of uh, Roby Park because of uh, the weather conditions and stuff this year. We had such a severe winter um, now, that they decided that that would be the the safer way to go. Are any of the you know are there stream crossings on this? Because I I also heard because of the snow melt that the the streams have turned into rivers in many places. Right, and that's why they're kind of bike passing, um, going over Squaw and Squaw Valley was still open on the Fourth of July with skiers. Oh. <laughs> so, so, and then the Granite Chief Wilderness, which you know, no telling what kind of condition that could be in because you know it's still probably too soon to even get in there to really check it out because of the snowpack was so high. I'm sure it's melting really fast though right now, but, and then towards the end of the ride, they're not sure about the river crossing there that most of the riders go through in the dark, except for maybe the, the first fastest riders, everybody else is crossing in the dark. And so they're going to have to possibly bypass that somehow. Uh, so it's going to be a, a, a little bit different course this year, um, which wow. will be interesting. Now, so that means that uh, starting out, a lot of them will be riding in the dark on a new on a new track, right? Possibly, yes. So that'll make it a little bit more interesting. And, um, you know, I know they just want to make it safe for the riders because some of the original trail has some washouts and stuff. And I know they're working on it. So, you know, anything's possible. They may possibly still be able to do it, um, you know, the original way. But uh, they've also got alternatives planned um, for just in case. So, um, so it'll be an interesting year to, to watch and see, um, a, a little bit different start because from what I've read, um, it's going to be a little bit flatter, less elevation in the beginning, which possibly could allow some of the horses to go faster than they need to be. I mean, that's the one nice thing, um, with that long climb up, uh, Squaw Valley, it, 
towards the beginning is it does slow the horses down. Whereas if they're not slowed down, then it's really easy to get caught up and, and go a little bit too fast. So, so it'll be kind of fun to watch and see how it all plays out this year. Well, that starts on August the 5th. And then right after uh-huh. that is the Mongol Derby, which starts a couple wow. days after that. So wow. it's going to be oh. endurance week. Yes. And let me just mention, they still need some volunteers. Okay. And there's a page on the teviscup.org website where you can go and uh, fill in a volunteer sign-up form and uh, volunteer. Um, there's all sorts of different um, opportunities of uh, jobs to um, to help out with the ride, uh, depending on what you know what you want to do or how long you want to commit to to being there. But um, it, you know it, it's a lot of fun. It's a it, I mean it's probably the biggest event in um, you know short of the WEG coming up that endurance riders have to go to in this country. You, and I know, you know some of our listeners last year went and volunteered because you met a couple of them. They uh, did, yeah, yes. Yeah. They went and, and volunteered, and I got to meet them. And uh, they, I believe, it was Deadwood that that they were at, and um, you know, so that's sort of cool to get to meet the, the and, people uh, so that we hear from on the show. A lot of people don't volunteer because they're afraid it's something that they're not going to be able to do. Or, but with endurance, they really do assign you to tasks that you can handle, right? Right, yeah. and they have head volunteers. It, you know, each of the checks that are going to explain the the position and and make sure that, you know, that you know what you're supposed to do and help you out. And, uh, you know, a lot of the volunteers, um, their jobs are to just help the riders. And so that could be just as simple as holding a horse um, while the horse eats, while the rider runs off to, you know, go to the restroom or something, or you're bringing the riders um, cups of lemonade or watermelon or, or, you know, stuff like that. So you're just, basically helping the riders get through the ride, lending a hand. And and so that's kind of fun because you get to see all the horses and the riders and the action and, um, you know, be a part of it. That's so something you and I did with you, Jennifer, if we lived closer. I would do that in a minute, volunteer at tennis. <laughs> That'd be so much fun. Well, uh, before we get to, we're going to have to head over to our Distance Depot segment, our product of the month. But before we do that, Jennifer did a, did the post on Horses in the Morning, and the answer started coming in on what object you've come across on the trail. And I love the first one, and let me find that here. Um, Janelle said, a mannequin head hanging from a tree by its hair. <laughs> the horses didn't care, but it scared the bejesus out of me. I guess it would. I would I guess that's like the Blair Witch yeah. Project <laughs> by horseback. I don't know if I'd ever go on that uh, again. Uh, and then Cammy says, a mountain tarantula. They hiss and jump. Oh, jeez. Did it jump in herself? It, it says they hiss and jump, and who knew we had them in northern Utah? Oh, no. Laura found... God, these are good. Laura found a shrine with a voodoo doll. (laughs) You know, I guess as long as the voodoo doll is not of you, you're... (laughs) That'd be bad. That'd be a bad one to find in the woods. All right, let's do this. Let's head over to Kristen at Distance Depot for our endurance products of the month. And we're going to be back with our first guest in just a minute. Oh, well, good morning, Kristen. Thank you for joining us again this month on Endurance Day. How are you doing today? That's great. How are you, Karen? Good. Uh, so are you staying cool? Um, yeah, the Missouri weather here is pretty warm and humid. Um, not quite as hot as what 
you all are having, or maybe Glenn, because I know it's hot there in Florida. And humid. But it's always humid here, is so tough. <laughs> it's not an exception. <laughs> right. And so this month we were going to talk about your wonderful riding um, boots and shoes from Ariat, which uh, they're some of my favorite um, shoes and boots to ride in. Uh, so tell us about the different models that you have. Okay. Um, the really nice thing about the Ariat boot is the footbed and the technology that Ariat has put into these riding boots, um, especially for those of us who spend many long hours in the saddle. Um, the balls of my feet used to fall asleep, and when I wear these boots, um, I have a lot less trouble with that, if at all. So um, it really makes a big difference having the advanced technology of the footbed. Um, mm -hmm. We have the Ariat Terrain H2O, which is a waterproof boot, um, which makes it even better for endurance riding. Um, we have it in the men's and the women's, so um, a boot for both sexes. That's great. Um, yeah, they're so comfortable, and I live in them most of the year, although my go-to favorite boot here lately um, is the UL Max Track by Ariat, and that's a newer endurance boot, and it's actually a boot designed by Ariat specifically for endurance. They've widened the um, poron on the ball of the foot. The poron XRD is a tech, uh, um, material that um, absorbs shock and um, concussion. So they've widened that area in the heel as well as in the footbed across the ball of the foot. So it really makes a big difference um, for comfort while mm -hmm. many hours in the stirrup. <clears throat> they've also done a really nice job on the um, uh outer footbed of this boot for better traction. So running up and down hills or on slippery grass or trotting your horse out, it's a nice boot too. Sometimes that terrain boot can get a little slick on the bottom. So it's a nice new feature. But the best part about it is that the air flows right through them. Um, so even like riding in my car on the way to work, I could feel the air oh, nice. through um, from the air conditioner. So it, it's really nice. Um, and when it's really hot, it's like I say, my new go-to boot for sure. And they're nice. They zip up. It, yeah. it shows that they've got a zipper. So they're really quick to get on and off, which is terrific. They are. Yeah, we have the zip boot and then the MaxTrack UL is actually sort of a toggle, like an elastic um, I won't call it a lace because you do have to slip your foot into it, mm -hmm. uh, but basically a little better than the lace because sometimes my laces come undone and that makes me crazy, even in a double knot. <laughs> I know, yeah. exactly. And these also come in half sizes, I see? They do, yeah. And I believe we stock them um, size 6 through 10 um, in both styles and pretty much in the, in the H2O waterproof boot as well. And you've also got half chaps, I see. Tell us about those. We do. We have several different ones. The Ariat um, half chap that we stock is a leather washable half chap, almost too good to be true. Um, but <laughs> it uh, has a breathable mesh liner, but you can throw them in the wash. Um, but it really resembles more of uh, an English-type boot, if you will. So for those that are wanting a more traditional look of a boot, it's a real nice half chap. Um, and top quality, of course, by Ariat. Then we have um, a couple of just chaps, half chaps, and those are perforated. We have an air mesh 
half chap and a cool half chap. The difference being on the air mesh, it's mm-hmm. a sort of like a meshy sneaker material, if you will. It's pretty stretchy, but the air flows right through it. Now, I wouldn't think that that chap would work very well um, in thorns and, you know, trucker brush and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but if you're in the desert or, you know, not going to be in the woods a lot, that would be a nice, cool half chap. Um, they're act- the half chap they've named the cool half chap is actually been made out of suede. So, but it's still perforated, so the air comes through, and it's a nice, lightweight, long-lasting half-chap. Right. That sounds great because, yes, once you add too much gear on yourself, you end up easily getting too hot, you know, when when uh, we're reaching these triple-digit temperatures. So, and I wanted to thank you for being a sponsor for the Green Bean um, group with, with the AERC and the you know, newer writers that are um, joining that. And yes. uh, have been for a couple of years. It's so fun to, to sponsor the. I new, assume that's not uh, a casserole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. But, uh, and quite a few of the writers, have, uh, you know, have, are, are gaining on their mileage and it's fun to watch their progression. Sure. Right. So, yeah. So, thanks for, for being a sponsor of that and for all you do to the. Um, I know you sponsor. Um, several rides and other things as well. So thank you for for doing that. And if somebody is interested in ordering from you, um, tell us how they would go about it. All right. Well, they can, of course, request a print catalog um, by emailing us at info at thedistancedepot.com or visit our website, www.thedistancedepot.com. Great. Well, thank you again for joining us and have a great day and stay cool out there. Thanks so much. You do the same. So do you have any indication, Karen, on the number of riders for Tevis that have signed up so far this year or is is it closed yet? Um, No, I I don't think they're going to reach the limit, at least not quite yet. I, I think last I looked, there was maybe somewhere between 100 and 150 on the website. They're past the, um, like a month before the ride, the entry fee jumps up $100. Mm -hmm. So most riders try to get their entry in. Like last year, I mailed my entry in right on that 30-day deadline. (laughs) And I think last year, there was like 212. There was a lot last year. It was, yeah, close to 200. I know some years there's been like maybe 189 or, you know, somewhere around there. Um, you know, I, I think some of the riders are probably going to be a little bit hesitant this year. They're not sure of what the new trail is going to be like. Um, and then others are excited that there's going to be a new trail that's a little bit different. You know, so um, it's just, it'll it's going to be fun to, to watch it play out. The nice thing is, is they do such good live web coverage yeah. where you can you know, follow your writer along and, and, um, you know, see, watch them as they go through every check, which is sort of cool. That's, you know, another job that all the volunteers have to do. That is pretty cool. All- and, and their website uh, is really good on that day to follow along. So it works yes, well. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, uh, there is somebody that's in the endurance world that has her sights set on something that's even a tiny bit bigger than Tavis. It is is wag is sarah ready yep okay good well uh this morning we're talking to uh sarah schick who is um 
one of the U.S. writers attempting to represent the United States at the upcoming WAG. So thank you for joining us, Sarah. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, how are you doing? How's And how are you and your horse doing? We are doing pretty well. Um, things have been super, super hot down here for the last week or two. So right now we're just kind of um, maintaining. And, and when we do ride, we go out super early and just hiding from the weather the rest of the days. We've got, you know, 97 degrees with about 90% humidity. So we are sweaty. <laughs> Ooh, yes, that's tough. Well, let's back up a bit and tell us how did the Biltmore ride go for you guys? Well, Biltmore for us, unfortunately, was very short. Um, the to, Just to uh, get to the good news first, it was short <laughs> because we ride our options. <laughs> so he's fine. Everything is well. Um, unfortunately, this year, we had just an immense amount of rain. Uh, my, my boyfriend actually came and helped crew for me, and we joked that all weekend that we had a lakefront property um, because our trailer was literally just surrounded it was in its own little lake of water um so having that happen the trails were just super crazy muddy um the uh you know the ride management was doing the best they could they actually rerouted some of the route some of the loops on the hundred and things like that um it was just a nasty nasty day so we got through the first loop and you know he was okay We, we actually had a recheck um, and, and he passed his recheck fine, but I just decided to go ahead and play it safe and rider option. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no sense in, in continuing it. Cause if there's anything going on with your horse, a trail that muddy is just going to eat that up and make that problem even worse and possibly turn it into something serious. So, Sarah, um, we optioned at the first hold. Sarah, tell us about your horse. Um, okay. So just to backtrack, Legolas, he's turning 13. Actually, he is 13 now. Uh, he is from Asgard Arabians. He was the old dominion raffle horse for folks that are familiar uh, with that. And I want to say back in 2003, 2004, but, um, the years get a little bit mixed up. Um, he actually was won by somebody else, not me. And I trained him for the first year that she had him. Well, I, I didn't get him started. Another lady got him started, and then I conditioned and, and raced him for uh, his owner. And then he traded owners a few times and made his way back to me. So he uh, was originally a $10 raffle horse. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's got five or six hundreds under his belt now. Uh, we are almost qualified to basically try out for selection for the U.S. World Team for 2018. Um, he's completed Tevis. He's completed Old Dominion multiple times, including when we did the national championships where he placed third. Um, so he's a pretty cool little guy. What else do you have to do? What's the, what, what's the missing piece for, for being able to qualify for WEG? So to, for, to qualify for selection, you have to have a certain number of FEI rides under your belt. You have to be qualified uh, up to, first of all, you have to go up to your three-star level, which is three stars, a fancy way for saying a hundred mile ride. So to get up there, it's basically a ladder. You do a 50 first, then a 75, then a hundred. And then the extra step beyond that to qualify for WEG is you have to have five rides of 75 miles or higher. And one of those has to be a hundred mile COC, 
What COC stands for is Certificate of Completion. Um, basically, you have to ride 100 miles averaging, I think it's 9.3, it's 14 kilometers per hour, but it's uh, nine, it ends up being about 9.3 miles per hour for us Americans that don't operate in kilometers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's a fast 100 to, to keep it simple. Um, so now you're, you're from coming up before you're 75 and you're hundred from getting up to that point count. So basically where we are is we've gotten our hundred mile COC. We need one more ride, uh, 75 preferably to com- be completely qualified to try out for the team. Um, I'm what, hoping to pick that up at, okay. go ahead, Karen. That's just what I was going to ask you what your next ride was going to be. Yeah, so we were planning on hopefully getting that at Biltmore, but since, um, you know, the weather didn't cooperate, that didn't work out for us. We're actually going to, uh, right now, I've applied to do the pre-ride at Tryon in October. It's on October 7th. Um, So why I say applied, that ride is basically the pre-ride. Is a test ride for the venue and also a chance for the riders and the teams to kind of get a preview of what the trail will be like for WEG. It's a 75. It's just a regular two-star ride. It's not a championship or anything like that. So anyone qualified to basically do a two-star ride can go, but there's a limited number of entries. So right now what we're hearing is the each country can take three riders, but if other countries choose not to go, that opens up and frees up some spots. So that means that possibly, you know, right now we have three open spots, but if other countries don't choose to go, maybe we'll get a couple more. Um, So you have to put in an application and then they'll pick who goes based on who says they'd like to go. And they'll let us know hopefully about that in August. Okay. And I'm reading here on your, on your page, which you still have, um, that's called Sarah and Legs do Tevis, but you're now doing updates on the WAG news and stuff. And I see you posted that your boy is now barefoot and you're using renegades for training in. Well, yeah, I actually like to go back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. I like to leave him barefoot as, as much as I can. Uh, it's, I think it, you know, promotes healthy hoof growth, growth and good circulation uh, for the speeds at which we're going we really need an option that unfortunately the training boots, while they're great for, you know, going slower speeds and just for mm-hmm. training, um, you know, we're going a little bit faster. We're going on some super technical stuff. So we need something that's on there really, really solid. And in this region, you know, out where you are, Karen, it's super dry. So glue-ons work awesome here uh-huh. on this side of the country. That glue-on application has to be 100% right, absolutely right. perfect or it's, or it's going to come off. So mm-hmm. for us, what we do is when we're, you know, either training heavily or we're getting ready for to go to a competition, I'll throw on some shoes on them. And then if we mm-hmm. have a nice long break, kind of what I gave him after Biltmore, I'll pull them off and just let him go barefoot. So okay. at the moment, he's barefoot. Um, I'll probably throw some shoes on him in August because we're going to do a ride in down near Roanoke in uh, southwest Virginia just to get uh, conditioned back up and things like that. And uh, we'll go from there. Okay. And what are you doing for yourself to stay in shape and get fit? Well, I'm, I will be the first to tell you, I'm a little bit crazy about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I, I come from a competitive swimming background um, but I, which is kind of how I, I got interested in endurance because it sounded like something that was right up my alley, but I do, uh, running races and triathlon on the side. 
So, oh, geez. Which seems, so somebody, yeah, exactly. Somebody said the other day, it's like on the side, that's just insane. Um, so I, in order to stay in shape for my horse, basically, uh, I do a lot to stay in shape for myself. It's also something that I like doing. Um, but mm-hmm. having races for myself helps me keep focused uh, as far as working out and, and staying fit. So um, I'm also doing the, we're having the world championship ride and tie up here in a couple weeks in Northern Virginia. And mm-hmm. I will be doing that with my partner and good friend, Lynn Gilbert. And we're borrowing a horse from Ann Mabane named Sunny, and we'll be doing the 35 mile there. Oh, good. Well, good luck with that. How exciting. Yeah, it should be fun. It should be a tough, tough trail, but we're, we're just going to have fun and see what this whole ride and tie thing is all about. So it's a first time for both of us. (laughs) Wow. Well, we wish you all the best of luck on that and on your upcoming rides and and tryouts. And, um, we hope that you'll be able to keep us updated through the process. Will do. Sounds great. Now that we're kind of coming back off of rest, I'll hopefully be updating that Facebook page a little bit more. um, So I'll be able to keep everybody in the loop a little better. Okay, great. And that page is Sarah and Legs Do Tevis for those that want to look it up on Facebook. Well, thank you for joining us this morning, Sarah. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Sarah. And stay cool out there. (laughs) Good luck with that. All right, will do. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. It's got to be tough, especially in certain parts of the country. I know it's really hot here, but it's really hot out where you are too. So yeah, yeah. There's the weather's right. It's been tough everywhere. I think. Speaking of boots, she mentioned boots, and of course, one of our terrific sponsors is Renegade Hoof Boots. Now you don't use the glue on. You use the 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 others, Uh, right? You know, I did use the glue-ons at Tevis last year, um, but I've also done Tevis with the strap-ons. Um, uh, the glue-ons are great for special events like, you know, like, for example, Tevis or um, for some people if they're doing a multi-day ride and they don't want to have to get up, you know, a little earlier to put boots on and, and take them off. So they'll go ahead and glue the boots on for the week. Um, but for a lot of us, we're finding that the strap on boots are more than adequate and, you know, they are easy to put on and take off. Um, I've got my junior, I love training the kids on how to put the boots on and off because they, you know, do it so well. And, uh, it, you know, the boots are so easy uh, with just the the Velcro um, to to put on and take off, and um, they work really really good. I get good traction on all the different kinds of terrain. You know, the the most important thing is to get a good fit. The nice thing with Renegades is they don't need to be super tight, so you don't need to be hammering them on and prying them off. They should go on easily and be able to be removed easily. So if they're really tight and snug, then that usually will cause a, a twisting problem. So you want to get the correct size and the factory is there to help if anybody needs help they can go to renegadehoofboots.com send them a message go to the facebook page or um look up their number on the um uh either facebook or renegadehoofboots.com and give them a call they're very helpful you can send drawings or pictures of your horse's feet and the measurements and they can help you select which boot model between the regular renegade or the viper is most suitable for your horse's hoof shape and they can help you with fitting and sizing and um you know there's a lot of things that can be done 
for anybody out there, if you are experiencing problems, it's often just an adjustment or two that needs to be made. Um, and there's a lot of things that can be done to, to help you sort it out. And the nice thing with the boots is once you generally get them, you know, fit and sized, then you know what works for your horse, whether you need the the base of it cut back or you need possibly a different size captivator or something. Once you get that sorted out, then you're good to go. And I've been using these boots for, I mean, many thousands and thousands of miles on both of my horses. And um, they're just, they're, they're terrific because they're easy to use. You get the great traction. They come in all the different colors and they're made in the United States. Very good. You know, I had a we had a question. One of the listeners asked the other day. They were talking about boots in the auditor page, and we're asking, are these good for on the road or hard surface? Yes, I rode all the way across the Pony Express Trail, of which quite a bit through Kansas and Nebraska is just hard gravel roads um, using Renegades. Well, and no slipping because they have traction. They have tread, so. There's some traction. Ex- yeah. They do. Yes. Well, gosh, if I could do that, I've done Tevis in them. Yeah, I've done, done other rocks hundreds. of Tevis. So. <laughs> yeah, right. right. I've, and I've done rides that are really, really rocky compared to Tevis. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and I've never had a horse uh, fall with me um, with, with the Renegades on. They're, they're great for traction, especially on pavement and stuff. All right. Very um, good. Well, why yeah. don't you go ahead, and that's renegadehoofboots.com is where you can find that. Uh, go ahead and introduce our next guest. We had to record this one ahead of time because he was, he, he like, has a job, you know. Right. Yes. Ricky Stone, who is an endurance writer himself, lives, uh, he's actually a friend of Sarah's, and she recommended that we talk to him about the Green Bean Program. Good morning, Ricky. Thank you for joining us on Horses in the Morning today. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing all about the Green Bean Program. Uh, can you give us a little bit of an overview about what that is? Sure. It's a pleasure to be on, and thank you very much for, for having me today. Uh, the Green Beans Endurance Challenge uh, is a group of aspiring or new uh, endurance riders to um, the world of endurance. And what the Green Bean Program really does is it brings new people in and allows them to connect with other new riders and even senior riders and begin to share ideas and share knowledge. Because as most of us know, when we get to an endurance ride, there's so much to do, set up camp, fetch your horse in, um, you know, potentially go for a warm-up ride. There's not, I've noticed there's not a lot of time to actually ask questions and gain a lot of knowledge. So um, I don't want to take credit for the program's uh, inception. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deb Moe and Jackie Reynolds started this program uh, back in 2015. Uh, They started that season uh, with 118 uh, team riders. And this year, our uh, rider number is up to 206. Wow. Well, that's great. And so um, what happens when somebody contacts you about wanting to join what what process is involved after that point okay so we have uh three different categories that you can kind of choose from we have a team ride uh which is uh made up of five uh endurance riders and they could be people that you know uh they could be people you've never met so for those that can't really fill out an entire team we will actually go and search uh for other riders that are interested in being on the team so 
there are some teams that they will probably never meet. They're a mixture of uh, West Coast and East Coast riders or the central part of the country. Um, <clears throat> there's also a one-horse, one-rider program, which is just more of an independent um, solo mission. And there's also, we do what's called the seedlings, uh, which are uh, children of 12 years of age and younger. Okay. Um, and they actually can earn points in different ways other than just riding. Okay. And so what, what, is there a cost involved in any of this to join? There, there is. Uh, we charge $15 uh, per member. Uh, we also require that you become an AERC member uh, before you enter the program. Okay. Um, and what the $15 kind of covers is we do monthly uh, prize drawings. We do three monthly prize drawings. And uh, some of these prizes are donated by some of our great sponsors. Uh, other prizes we actually will purchase out of the money that is collected. And at the end of the season, we award um, prizes and medals to either teams or the one horse, one rider folks that uh, place the first, second, or third. Okay. And um, I see I'm looking on the website right now, which is greenbeanendurance.org, and it explains the challenges. And I see you also have listed an Indomondo challenge. And what is that? So the Indomondo uh, challenge is something that uh, Debmo uh, keeps track of. And what it is, is it's a program that you, or an app that you can put on your phone. And pretty much any time mm-hmm. you go out and train, you're logging your mileage. Uh, so it's not, uh, it, it's kind of a subsection of the Green Bean Endurance Challenge. Uh, it just helps you kind of keep track of how many miles you're, you're putting into endurance as far as training. Um, okay. It's just, a, it's just another fitness, uh, fitness tool to use. Right. And so do any of the, the people that, that join these teams, they don't actually need to be in the same area, do they? They can be in different states or parts of the country? Absolutely. We, oh, we have good. a team that okay. is that is made up of two riders from California, um, mixed with two riders from Maryland. And, and again, they will probably never meet. Um, and, and the the way that we do the point system, it's we it's designed so that you're not really worried about placing at a ride. It's completion of the ride itself. Okay, so good. we don't want to encourage people to actually go out and and race for placement. Okay, and I see one of your eligibility rules is that they must have less than 1,000 combined miles? Correct, and that's 1,000 combined between uh, limited distance and endurance miles. Okay, I see, and it is one horse and one rider? Or yeah. are they, okay, so they're not allowed to ride multiple horses, just one, one well, horse? Well, they, they or, can ride, they Right. It's just more of a, um, you, we do allow a substitution. So okay. if for some reason your, your horse, uh, you know, has any type of issue. Um, we do allow one substitution for that. Okay. And Glenn, you're going to like this for the teams. I see it says on the vine zero to 499 miles, um, picked is 500 to 2499 and cooked is 2500 to 5000. <laughs> I like the analogies. <laughs> Right. So we, we tried to keep it within, you know, the, the green bean theme. And then, of course, we have the seedlings group. Okay. Um, and those, those mileages are just combined with all of the riders on your team. So of those five members, your mileage kind of gets put in one of those three categories. And, and that's to try to keep it uh, like a level playing field throughout the season. Okay. 
I see. And I see you've got a whole point system set up that that looks interesting. And and you keep a score car score board and then um, and then you have awards. What kind of awards do you have? So at the end of the season last year, we did uh, some AERC jackets. Um, We also sent medals out to the uh, top three placing teams, as well as the top three placing one horse, one rider um, uh, members. Uh, as well as a certificate. Okay. And how did you get involved in this? Uh, I was a participant last season in uh, 2016 uh-huh. uh, when Deb Mo and Jackie were running the program. Um, and because everyone knows how busy life can get, uh, Jackie needed to step back because this is a pretty um, busy program. There's a lot of data entry. There's uh, sponsorship conversations. Um, so Jackie needed to step back and they were looking for somebody to step in as a co-director. I was a part of that, um, program in 2016. Okay. I felt like it benefits a lot of people. So I stepped up and, and, and helping Deb out this season. And how did you get involved in endurance riding to, to begin with? So I, uh, my wife got me involved in endurance riding. Her and I met about three and a half years ago. Um, mm-hmm. she took me to an endurance ride and I crewed for her at a 75 down in South Carolina. It was pouring down rain, cold, <laughs> miserable. I'd never been to an endurance ride before. And I kind of said at that point, well, if I'm going to go, I want to ride. <laughs> so she has trained me to, uh, to ride. And, uh, the second year we were together, I began doing some LDs and then had moved up to fifties. Uh, so I, I kind of married my mentor. Um, oh, good. So it's very beneficial for me, but I certainly can understand others who don't have that luxury. You know what? Mm-hmm. I think that pushes you out of horse husband category. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that takes you one step further than horse husband. There. What do you, what are the kids? You know, I know Karen. You're you're working. You're mentoring one now too. What's their biggest challenge, or what's the thing that that causes them the most grief? Well, for the for the children aspect, I think it's. Um, we all know that horses can be expensive, so we do have some riders that do not own their own horse, and they either lease or borrow a horse. Um, and I think it's just a learning uh, opportunity um, because everybody has great ideas and, and stories and things that work and don't work, and it's um, you know sharing all those things with the younger generation because they are going to be you know the next senior generation in the ERC. Um, so it's it's passing that information down. Uh, to them so that, you know, they retain that knowledge and can apply that, um, you know, while riding. Mm -hmm. Is that what you've seen, Karen? I mean, you're. Um, Yeah. The kids, you know, they, they just, they love to ride. Um, You know, the kids are great because they never complain typically, um, you know, and they just want to go and ride. Um, My, my one junior, she actually got to ride uh, part of the Tevis Ed ride this last weekend and so i'm sure she's gonna be totally giddy with excitement to tell me all about it when i see her next yeah you know that's one thing the kids do like to ride it's everything else that becomes the problem right do you have trouble that i i I think this is also what i was looking for do you have trouble because endurance is such a time-consuming thing uh do you have trouble with the parents you know, it just depends, I think, on the parents. You know, some um, are more committed to it, especially if they are already horse 
people and horse owners, then they understand more what is involved. If they're coming from outside of, you know, the horse world, then it, you know, then it is a little bit different. You know, some of them, um, you know, don't really understand how much is involved and in, in the dedication that it takes. Um, you know, that's why having a program like the Green Bean program can get reel them in and get them hooked, you know. And uh, and I think it's a great way for people to connect and uh, that are doing the same thing and that are at the same level they are so they can help encourage each other to, to do this. Um, what do you what do you think, Ricky? I, I totally agree. And our seedling program is set up a little bit different with points um, because we want the, the kids to not only learn to ride and take care of their horse on trail, so what we did was we actually offer points for uh, taking riding lessons at home, um, oh, crewing at, a, at an endurance ride, volunteering at an endurance ride, and, uh, you know, an intro ride clinic. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to, to build the younger generation into there's more than just, you know, showing up and getting on your horse and riding, you know, 25 plus miles. So we kind of encourage the, the younger crowd, um, you know, to go do these things, to learn about the sport and learn how to, to take care of your horse. Right, right. And so is the best way for somebody to get in touch with you or or learn more about this program to go to the website? Absolutely. The the website is great. We also have a Facebook page. Oh, Um, good. Social media can be a great outlet for information. Mm -hmm. Um, Our Facebook page is Green Bean Endurance Challenge. Uh, we monitor that very, very strictly as far as uh, posts and things like that. We want to keep that page as positive as we can. Um, we're, we love that people uh, post uh, their stories about riding. We have senior members who are on that group who post ideas and helpful hints and things that work for them. And, um, and that's great for, for new riders to be able to, to read that information. And if they feel like it would help, apply that to, to ride. Okay. And I see you have a page with your sponsors listed and many of your sponsors are offering promo codes. So for these uh, new people to the sport um, that, are, that are needing to buy almost everything to get, you know, get going, they can um, get these discounts from some of these great vendors. Absolutely. So a, as a part of being a paid member of the uh, Green Bean Endurance Challenge, uh, we give you access to a promo code page and our our wonderful sponsors, uh, such as Riding Warehouse and Two Horse Tack and the Distance Depot, um, you know, graciously give a significant discount to our members, being that they are new to the sport and we all know how uh, mm-hmm. expensive tack can be. Uh, so that's another helpful thing to uh, a newer aspiring endurance rider. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. So, do the green beans all have to wear green? You know, they do have green tack and green clothing that they can oh, really? purchase. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think the whole the whole the analogies are so good. <laughs> right. And I think, you know, when somebody is identifying themselves as a green bean, I think that lets the more experienced writers know that, you know, maybe you know, this person is more open to, um, you know, being approached from somebody else to help them out if it looks like they're needing to get a little bit of help or something. You know, you always have people show up at a ride. It's their first ride and they have that 
you know, deer in the headlights look because <laughs> it's so overwhelming their first time or two. And, and so, you know, this, I think, is a good way for other riders to possibly be a little bit more welcoming to these new people and, and help, uh, you know, help them along. Well, our answers are coming. By the way, you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network. It's Endurance Day. I'm Glenda Geek here with Karen Chatton. We've been doing this for a lot of years now. And uh, we asked the question earlier in the show on our Facebook page, what's the oddest object you've come across on the trail? And more answers are coming in. You want to hear a couple? Um, sure. My husband came across a whole forested area with dolls hanging in the trees and a welcome Girl Scout sign on a tree. Creepy. <laughs> that is creepy. That's just <laughs> that kind of is. <laughs> yeah, that's just something you don't want to see in the woods. Uh, the Misty said, "Oh, oh, oh! I found a glass eye one time. Anyone missing a bluish eye?" <laughs> oh, that's oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> just gross. <laughs> Oh, let's see here. What else did we find? Oh, and then Denise actually posted a picture of the downed plane that is here in Ocala. And that was oh, over wow. by the Danellan Airport. He didn't make it. Above his, and the guy died, but they never took the plane out of the woods. It's still there. And she said it was kind of huh. shocking because she thought, you know, she didn't know about it. And she was gone this trail and there it was. Wow. Um, so she posted a picture of the down plane. You can see that. Mike Mumford, who's a friend of ours, of course, Redmond <laughs> Rock and, a, and an endurance rider, said, my riding partner, he's older than dirt. So I don't know who <laughs> Mike rides. Does he ride with potato? Uh, um, I, I don't think so. Oh. They're, they're both, yeah, pretty far away. <laughs> uh, Rosie said, an old brick fireplace. You do find remnants of old houses in the woods, though. You probably come across that. Oh, sure. Well, yeah, riding on the historical trails, you're always finding a lot of old remains from old buildings and um, a lot of the old Pony Express stations and stuff through Nevada are still there. Um, uh, Rachel said an engine. <laughs> just, no, they don't have any place to place to dump it, so we'll just dump it out in the middle of the woods. Well, there you go. There's some of the newest updates. If you want to add yours, just head over to Horses in the Morning Facebook page. Jennifer has a post over there that you can add yours. There's some fun ones coming in. Uh, I was really expecting a dead body. I was really expecting that this morning, that with all the listeners we have, somebody has come across that along a trail. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that still shows up today. Uh, let's. Uh, is Paul ready, Jennifer? He is. Okay, good. Oh, all good. right, go ahead. Good. Well, we have Paul Cidio to uh, stop by and give us an update on the Australia Tom Quilty endurance ride, which took place this past weekend. Um, welcome, Paul, and thank you for joining us this morning. Glad to be here, Karen. So I saw some of your updates on, on Facebook that you were following and posting about uh, the quilty, and I know you have done it. We had you on as a guest the year that you went and rode in the quilty. Um, and let's refresh everybody. That? That's kind of like the Tevis of Australia, to just give context. Yeah, it's it's actually it's it's more like our national championship in that it it rotates around among five different states. Okay, so you know Tevis is always at the same spot every year. Mm -hmm. uh, this is. Uh, so, you know, Tevis, they have a permanent organization that does it. This, a new group puts it on every year, but they start preparing two and three years ahead of time for the event. Wow. And I know it's really well attended. How many rode in it the year you, you did it, Paul? 
347. Well, <laughs> that's a lot of people. <laughs> wow. Starting at midnight. They start, they start at midnight. They, uh, they had like floodlights and we were circling and they had us go out basically 120 at a time. Cause we had about a, oh, about a little over a half mile of paved road that we started on at midnight and they let us go about 120 and then they'd give us a gap of about a minute just to make sure if there was a wreck and you know, we didn't have 300 <laughs> some horses to sort through, but it was unbelievable. Uh, and they had, uh, they do songs over there for their rides and there's the quilty song that they play all the time over the loudspeakers. Uh-huh. And the year I was there, they actually had the guy who did it on a stage playing the quilty song. And there was probably 1,500, 2,000 people there as we were leaving, and, and a lot of them were singing the chorus to the song. Wow. That's got to be something. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah now, this year it was in South Australia, and they, uh, they had it in their wintertime, which was kind of unusual, and it was only six or seven months after the last quilty. So it was kind of cold and rainy and muddy and course i wasn't there but i had numerous friends that were there and i actually i actually sponsor an award over there for the ride yeah tell us about that i met a guy alan torenbeek my first trip over there and he was uh australian who was in the rodeo hall of fame the cattleman's hall of fame and the equestrian hall of fame just an amazing guy and he happened to be camped next to me we became friends in fact, I have, he gave me his bib after that quilty. Uh, they, they have their penes or bibs. And he gave me his number 76 bib, and I've worn it at numerous rides, including at Tevis uh, a few years back. I completed, asked him if I could be number 76. And uh, he passed away uh, in an accident helping at 79 years old, helping his son build fence and fell out of a John Deere gator. Aww. But uh, he was just the nicest guy. And so in his memory, I've... Uh, sponsored an award, a, a horse blanket, a rug, they call them, uh, the Alan Torrenbeek Young at Heart Award, because he was like a mischievous kid, at, you know, in his late 70s. But uh, it's for the oldest writer to complete the quilty. And I've done that for a couple of years now. And how old is the oldest writer? <laughs> you know, I don't know how old he is. I think the one last year was 77 or 76. I can't remember. Wow. Uh, it was a woman. This year was a man, and, and I, I have a picture of him, but I don't know his name. They told me his name, but they didn't tell me how old he was. But oh, okay. Um, he was, and now just you know the ride just happened, and, I, and somebody sent me a picture of it. But then they said this is Sam, whatever his name was. Oh, okay, um, well that's pretty cool. And we had four riders from the United States that went this year, right? We did. We did. Uh, most of the riders, rather than leasing horses like what can happen at Tevis for foreign riders, most of them trade uh, rides over here, either a Tevis ride or a ride back east or whatever, uh, for a quilty ride. And so it's a much more of a like an exchange student type thing rather than a commercial transaction. Uh, I've made some great friends in Australia from doing that, and they've come over here, and, and uh, they're just it, it, you know, I've stayed at their houses for 10 days. Or, in fact, I'm invited back next year to Tasmania for the quilty there. Oh, cool. And, and the people that invited me, they said, here's the conditions, though, mate. You have to stay at our place, uh, and we want you to allow at least a week because we want to show you our beautiful island of Tasmania. Oh, but, neat. Okay, I can handle those terms. 
So they, <laughs> yeah. they make you feel very welcoming. It's um, and rather than like like an FEI international competition, uh, it's not. It's it's less stress. It's more we're all we're all in this together. It's not well. You're an American and we're an Australian. And they're in New Zealand. It's just all. It's just endurance riders sharing the trail from different countries, and uh, it's uh, it's just really a, a wonderful international riding experience. Uh, just tremendous. And, and the, I... the four riders, uh, they it's kind of weird how they post their results. They don't post like how we post first, second, third, and then with the weight divisions by the side on their website they have you know here, here was the first lightweight here was the first and all the lightweights are listed and there's mm-hmm. the first heavyweight and here's the first middleweight and the junior and you kind of have to go through there and say okay if i look at the lightweights time was here and the heavyweights time and they don't list them like we do so the americans kind of finished middle of the pack latter third of the pack um i had several australian friends uh comment that the Americans had did a great job of managing their horses and their ride. They said they rode through the course and to the conditions. And Good. that's why all four yeah. of them got through. Uh, uh, they were, they, they represented well. Uh, uh, they all wanted to come home with buckles and they did uh, tremendous. Uh, the, the ride had a 62% completion rate. It was pretty slick and uh, challenging course. There was some mud. And, you know, they had a lot of lameness pulls and some metabolics. But uh, the Americans, they said, did a great job getting through and taking care. And uh, I've not talked to them, any of them, since they've been back. Uh, but uh, I'm sure they'll have stories to tell about how, how their rides went. And and uh, coming home with that quilty buckle, I, I have one. And I'm going back to try to get a second one. But, That's pretty uh, it's exciting. It's a tremendous experience. Yeah. Well, let's now, um, to, give, to give you an idea real quick. Tasmania is an island, and it's about 300 miles off the shore. And a Tasmanian rider won it again this year. I believe also came second and had a junior rider was from Tasmania. These people have to haul across Tasmania to the port and then take an overnight boat trip, a 300-mile boat trip, to get to the mainland. And it's very expensive to take your horse trailer and, and on a ferry boat, uh, I believe, like $1,500 round trip or so. And then they get to the mainland, and then they got a haul to the ride. So it makes wow. people that complain about having to drive 500 miles to a ride say, come on, buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> right. No kidding. <laughs> but most of their rigs, I've seen the pictures, aren't quite as large as the ones we tend to have over here is that correct you know it's amazing uh you and that's i believe why they have a lot more families and younger people and juniors involved uh you'll see people with uh basically a medium-sized suv and a little two-horse trailer and you know they come and they they've got a family with two or three kids and they they put up a tent and and some of the trailers have these interesting things they have like a fold-down deal in the back of a two-horse side-by-side trailer, and it folds down and makes a bed on the top after they've taken the horses out. And some people will sleep in the trailer, and they'll sleep in tents, and they'll have stock trailers, and they'll sweep out the stock trailer, and they'll put, like, army cots, and they'll sleep in that. Uh Most of the ride venues that they have will have hot showers, and they'll bring in extra hot showers if if it's not big enough, like a fairgrounds type of permanent facility. So, you know, you have indoor plumbing and hot showers and and uh, but they 
I mean, you'll just see, uh, the amazing thing to me was when I've been is to see how many just little kids are running around camp playing soccer or tag or riding bicycles or whatever. You know, there's, seems like there's hundreds of them. So oh, it's very much, fam- there's great. much more family participation and, and young families. Uh, uh, my, my host to be in Tasmania uh, just had a baby six months ago. So, you know, that baby will be at the ride <laughs> you know, I'm sure, unless they get a grandparent to walk in, you know, so she'll be have her husband crewing if she's riding or whatever, and you know, taking care of the kid and pushing him around. Uh, it won't be old enough to walk it really. It'll be pushing around a baby carriage <laughs> to the vet check. Wow! So and how long pretty, did it take you to, to get over there when you went? Just from when you left home until you arrived, how long did that take? Oh, I stopped in Los Angeles to visit my mom for some time. And then it's, I think it's like a 14 hour flight or 16 hour okay. flight. Mm-hmm. Now I cheated because uh, I have a wife and she's not, she's very supportive of me, but I try to make multitask our trips. So I didn't want us to have to do that whole uh, 14 or 16 hour flight in one deal. So we, uh, we stopped off in Fiji for three days. <laughs> oh, that's tough. Oh, yeah. I just had to take a break by the beach on your yeah. way over. <laughs> yeah, that's why I showed up and, you know, we took three days in Fiji and wife said, okay, now we can go to your horse thing. We took three days in Fiji. You know, so you were we, did, ta- we did that and that was... You were talking about her having a baby, which reminded me because I was just looking, I was listening to a show we did back at the 2010 WEG, and one of the top riders, you know, endurance riders in the world is yeah. a Spanish woman by the name of Maria Mercedes Alvarez Pontón. Is it Pontón? Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, she won yep. that WEG in 2010 in Lexington seven weeks after giving birth. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, w- I would say I've never given I've never given birth. I've attended uh, the birth of two of my children. I delivered them actually at home. But I would say having a child is much harder than riding a hundred miles. So, <laughs> oh good, this is easy. Yeah, riding a hundred yeah, miles no seven more, weeks no after though. Oh, <laughs> yeah, she's pretty tough. Yeah, <laughs> she's pretty tough. No kidding. I think most endurance I'm women not that are. Tough. <laughs> They are, you know, it's it's uh, it's always amazed me when I look at, at at endurance. How many, especially when you get up in the hundred mile distance, how many more women there are than men actually, you know, <laughs> on a general basis. And and you know, the men come from the old cowboy and John Wayne and Pony Express and tradition and the cavalry tradition. But yeah, when it comes to push comes to shove, it's it's women uh, uh, in the in the hundreds just overwhelmingly it seems at times mm-hmm. are, are you coming out for Tevis this gonna, year no I, i'm not I, my i was at the old dominion and a quarter mile from the finish uh, my horse went lame and he's got a little cracked coffin bone and Aww. so he's off for a while and get yeah i mean he's, he's he's sound walking around and of course i'm having a hard time getting him to relax and don't run around like an idiot you fool uh-huh. uh but he's uh so I don't have a hundred mile horse right now. I'm actually on my way. I pulled off the side of the road here. So I'm being safe. I'm actually on my way to pick up another horse in Kansas city right now that I used to own that I'll be doing fifties on him this fall and try to get him ready for hundreds, you know, sometime next year also. But, but the, the guy with a, with a coffin bone, Cristo, he'll be fine. Uh, he's a hundred mile horse, but I don't have anything for Tevis. Um, 
And, oh, but does that suck? And the, does that suck yeah. being a, what a mile from a finish in a race that length and <laughs> that happened? We could uh, see the we could see the light. Uh, we could I mean we could see the oh. light at the finish line. The old Dominion is harder than Tevis. I'm just here to tell you. I've done both three times, so I can I can be a fair judge. But we were I was with four other horses. We had we were on a gravel road, nice and flat. We had done all the rocks and all the ditches and all the mountains and everything and. I can see the lights, and we were just trotting along, and all of a sudden, boom, head bob, boom, head bob, and I just, uh, and I thought, well, maybe we picked up a rock or something. And I just, I just jumped off, and I was riding with another guy. I said, that doesn't look good, and oh no, and uh, and it was, it was, it was. I mean, I it was part of the sport, though. I mean, at least right. I got to see all the trail. I'd rather, much rather have that happen than a a medic bo- metabolic pull at twenty five miles. Now you go, now what the heck do I do? Yeah, right. But, uh, right. Yeah. It was, it was, it was funny, but not funny. At the 94-mile vet check, rider 135 got pulled. I was 134. And then when they radioed, the hand radio, there was some confusion. They thought it was me that had got pulled. And they said, oh, no, Paul got pulled. They said, no, it's a woman on a gray horse. Well, Paul's a man on a bay horse. And so, they, and so when I got there, the vets were all laughing. He says, oh, the reports of your pull were greatly exaggerated, like that Mark Twain <laughs> quote. Got the report. And I said, "Oh yeah," and I just laughed. I said, "I said, hold my beer. Watch this." They're going, "What?" Oh. And I took. I, and they said, "Well, they said no. We got to check his heart rate." I said, "No, you don't. Watch this." And I just trotted with him about fifteen steps. And I said, "And they're just." I looked back. They were just all mouth open, just shocked. I said, "Yeah, quarter mile from the finish." Oh, and they gosh. said, "Well, go soaking with ice." And no, that's part of it. I mean, that's that's part of our sport. Uh, it wasn't like, oh, no, I didn't get the new four-wheel drive vehicle or the new saddle or horse trailer. I didn't get the stinking T-shirt, but I got to see all the trail and got to, you know, ride with my horse 100 miles and well and part well, of it. Well, Paul. That's a good way to look at it. We're running out of time here, but I did find something okay, yeah, that's yeah, going to yeah. bring back memories for you. Take a listen. I think this is the one. Old Tom said to RM, I remember in my youth. Yeah. Is that it? Want me to sing the chorus? Yeah, sing the chorus for us. <laughs> yeah. Tom Quilty, Tom Quilty, your name will ever stand as long as there are horses to ride across this land. Horses with courage and riders with guts will ride the course. God bless the horse and your old gold cup. There you go. <laughs> Yay, that was great. <laughs> I, 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 I bought the CD from the guy. <laughs> that was great. All Good right, job, well, Paul. Thanks, I've Paul. Thanks, <laughs> well, Paul. Guys. All right, thanks, Paul, and, and good luck with the horse you're get, getting to pick up today. Thank you. All you right. Bet. See you. All fun. right. Thanks, Karen. You bet. Bye bye. Ride a hundred miles in one day. That's the truth. Seems to me these days, fat horses are the goal. Only fit for Sunday rides or going to a show. RM said to old Tom, if we look around, horses with the spirit of the old days can be found. And riders with the guts and grit to ride through hell and back. You supply the money. I supplied the track Old Tom gave a thousand pounds To build a big gold cup RM held a meeting To get the riders I up. like it Ralph-
Yeah, that was pretty cool. I'm glad you found that. <laughs> and uh, he sang it well. <laughs> he did a pretty good job. Yeah, that was fun. And the video is good, actually, because it plays the song. And I'll post this on our Horses in the Morning page. And it shows, uh, this is from 2010, and it shows the ride and the riders and, and everything during the ride. But it just, uh-huh. uh, with the song as a backdrop. So I'll, I'll post that. Okay, yeah, cool. I like that song. Oh, that's so funny that he knew it by heart. well you know australia is kind of a special place so that's kind of neat have you ever have you ever gone there and rode or would you like to do it um yes i i went in 2011 to australia and and i did meet and make a bunch of friends over there and i was able to just go for a ride and and one funny story is i asked the gal i was riding with are there you know snakes because i've heard that australia has the most poisonous snakes in the world and she says oh you would be lucky if you saw a snake and i'm like thinking uh no that's not how i look at it (laughs) but she meant that it was not likely that it would you know that it wasn't likely that we would see a poisonous snake and so but i had my eyes out i was looking (laughs) well thanks a bunch everybody for joining us today we really appreciate it thank you karen where can people find out about the rides coming up at uh, aerc.org very good aerc.org and what's your website my website is karenchatton.com karenchatton.com and there's a blog on there all kinds of stuff you can read if you're interested in endurance there's a ton of different articles you can go back through through and Mm -hmm. find them all we'll be back tomorrow with jamie here on horses in the morning you can find links to today's guests and show notes at horsesinthemorning.com you can follow us on facebook of course there's more answers still coming in on what people have found on the trail so check that out And you can follow us on Twitter. We don't talk about that very often at Horse Radio. And we have 14 different shows we do now on the Horse Radio Network. So get our app, iOS or Android. Uh, Just search for Horse Radio Network, and we're in the App Store. It's free, and it's easy. It's the simplest way to listen to all of our shows. Thank you, Karen. Thanks, Glenn. All right. See ya.